Good morning, church family. Thank you so much for joining us online. Now, first of all, I really do want to give a sincere thank you about all the encouraging text and support that we as leadership and staff and elders have received over the last few days. Obviously, if you're joining us online and you're normally with us in person, uh, we are meeting only online this week and next week. And that was a tough decision, but one we felt like God led us to. And it just speaks to how wonderful of a church body this is that we received so much encouragement and warmth and just unity from everyone who is supporting us and looking forward to what God is going to do. So as we can dive into the sermon this morning, I'm going to pray to get us started. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you are a God of grace, love, mercy, and peace. God, we ask that over these next few weeks, while we're unable to meet, that you will work in our hearts, Father. Don't let us re-enter this room unchanged. Let us come back more eager, more in love, and more ready to do your will and to glorify you and to shape our community, Father. We love you and praise you in your name. Amen. So, I'm going to be a little bit honest. I don't like this. The idea of us not meeting in person and meeting online for a couple weeks is something that just disturbs me. I don't know how to say it other than that. I've got a lot of trust right now that God is doing something and we're not going to waste this. But there's an aspect of me that when I think about us not being able to gather in person, it hurts. I can remember a couple years ago, it feels like, I think it is at this point, I've lost track of time. We could meet for a few months, COVID hit. And I remember that first Sunday back, I remember walking in the room and everybody's like crazy nervous. Can I touch? Can I shake hands? Can we get near anybody? Somebody going to yell at me? What's going to happen? And then the music kicks in and the first song and people kind of start singing. And dude, by the second song, like I'm in tears because I'd just forgotten what it was to gather in person to worship. But I also remember during that window, it was a time that we didn't want to waste. We wanted to make sure we were spiritually ready to walk back into the room and be together and to be focused on God. So that's the same thing we're doing right now. We're going to spend these next two weeks, and we're going to do something with God, between us and God, and we're going to do something. The only word I know how to say is this. It's called revival. Now, that's a word that's used historically all throughout the church, and normally what it means is is there's going to be a whole week at the church where there's a worship service every night, and you have a guest speaker come in, and he preaches, and he gets people excited, And that's kind of how it works. But revival is kind of a funny word because when you look at it in the context of what a scriptural revival would be, what it really means is that we as individuals are going to refocus on our relationship with God. And that's what we're going to purpose to do the next few weeks. We're going to make sure that we are not wasting this time, that we're not just sitting and waiting. We're going to use this time to prepare us personally as individuals to move forward as a body when we come back together to shape our community by sharing the grace of Jesus Christ. So we're going to start with a story from Psalms 51. And this actually, when we dive into it, I'm going to give you a little bit of background first, but just know this is actually kind of like a poem or a song or a journal entry that's written by somebody named David. If you know the story of David and Goliath or you've heard the name King David, That's really what we're talking about. That's the guy. It's the one that slayed Goliath, except at this point, he's he's a lot older and he's the king. And over the last few years, things have become very rhythmic within his kingdom. And he's been the king for a while. But there's something that happens with David in this story 
before he writes this passage. He writes this passage in Psalm 51 at a major catalyst point, a major shift, a turning point in his life. So let's back up to lead up to the writing to this passage. David had become king and had become very normalized in his daily activities. You can tell as you're reading in what's actually happening back in Samuel that the rhythm of everyday life had kind of begun to happen. He wasn't fighting battles anymore. He wasn't slaying Goliath. He wasn't running from God-chosen King Saul and trying to figure out how he was going to stay alive. He had become very settled into being king. And he had become settled to a point where you kind of get the sense that his spiritual walk, his relationship with God, had had come a little bit numb, neutral. He was almost starting to not pay attention to God anymore. Maybe he was just going through the motions of his relationship with God. And this led him to a very interesting season in his life to where he stopped being the king God called him to be. And so the story goes that basically he was supposed to be with the other kings and the men who would go out to war during one season, but he chose to stay back at the palace and just kind of chill out and do his own thing which led him to a situation where he saw this other guy's wife and thought she was pretty and wanted to marry her. And so he did something really bad. He did something malicious. He arranged to have her husband killed. He literally had this guy murdered so that he could marry that guy's wife. The crazy detail here is that David already had a hundred or more, actually more than a hundred wives. Odd fact, but true fact. And he just wanted this guy's wife. So he has this guy killed and he marries his wife. And then all of a sudden there's this place in scripture where all of a sudden you get the feeling that David is just kind of settled after this event, that he's just kind of like ignoring it. He's moved on from it. But here's what's beautiful that happens within this event. God sends a prophet to address David. And the prophet comes in and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. You can look back in the book of Samuel if you want to know what happens. But basically the prophet brings to David's attention what he has done. He says, I know what you did, and God knows what you did. And in that moment, David hits a breaking point. He breaks. He realizes at this point, he is not who he used to be. He is not the kid that walked onto the battlefield and said, you can't insult my God, Goliath, and killed Goliath. He's not the guy that faithfully ran away from King Saul instead of killing him, even though he had the opportunity to because Saul was God's chosen king at that time and it wasn't David's time yet. This was not David and his mighty men that went out and battled the Philistines and was victorious over and over again and brought peace to the kingdom. This is a David who has become numb. This is a David who has fallen away, become distracted, become focused on his own wants and desires. This is a David who is in desperate need of revival. And so as we look at this passage in Psalms, we're going to look at what he writes because David was an emotional guy. He wrote lots of songs and poems and Psalms. And so he writes this right after that event where he gets called out to God about his relationship with God and about how he desires the restoration and revival. And so we're going to go through this passage and we're going to use this as a process this week for us to take the next few weeks and to seek to revive, to pour out, to revigorate our relationship with God. Because that is revival. It's when the people of God step
stop, pause, disrupt their daily lives, and remember that God is the most important relationship that they have. So let's look at this passage and this process as it tells us in the book of Psalms, chapter 51. Verse 1 says this, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That's a heavy series of verses. David is sitting there in tears on his knees before God, acknowledging his brokenness and his sinfulness. I think this is the first step when we talk about revival. And I think this is the thing we lose sight of that starts to make a church service feel really numb or normal or like you're just watching TV. It's the fact that we somehow forget how big of a deal it is that we are sinful people. That what we really deserve is not the newest, greatest technology or not to have an easy life for lots of money. What we really deserve is eternity separated from God and death. And every breath that we take, every moment of every day, is the mercy and patience of God. We have to understand where we stand before our great, precious, heavenly Father. We have to understand where we're at apart from Christ is we're sinful people who are doomed for all of eternity. Do you see how all of a sudden it starts to shift? Like I begin to say those words to you. And if let's try this a different way. Maybe you're like me and, and you're a believer and you're sitting there and you were like, saved, baptized, became a believer when you were a kid. And so when you try to give a testimony, you kind of answer the question and you know the formula is like, hey, what was your life like before Christ? And you go, uh, I was playing with Legos. But here for me, this is where I begin to put perspective. I begin to think about the person I would be now if I had not come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I start to think about how mean and selfish I would be. I start to think about how much sinful activity would be in my life slowly destroying me. I think about how lonely I would be because my relationships would be so broken because all of my relationships would be about me. And I put that into perspective and think about this God who sent his son to pay the penalty for my sin so that I, I don't have to spend eternity, I don't have to spend time on this earth separated from him. Instead, I get to have a relationship with him and he shapes me and he molds me and he changes me to become more and more like him. Regain that perspective. Your first step in personal revival is regaining the perspective of where you would be without Christ. David's writing this and he's on his knees before God, pouring out his sin before him. Step number one, you have to remember what you've been saved from and what God has done for you. Let's keep reading. Verse six, behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. 
I'm going to stop on this verse. Because this passage, this statement about truth in the inward being, I think is one of the biggest reasons it's really easy for us to kind of numb out when it comes to the things of God. I think it's why it's really easy for us to kind of relax and get in a rhythm and suddenly not have time to dive into God's Word each day. I think it's the reason that we can kind of get this distance from God. And that's because we're not honest with ourselves. It's something we have to learn how to do as humans because we will lie to ourselves so much and everything's okay and everything's fine and we will fall out of love with God so quickly because we're not really being honest with ourselves. We'll tell ourselves that this doing this is not a big deal or, oh, it's not a priority that I need to do this spiritual activity or that I need to engage with God and I just don't have time and that's an acceptable excuse, but it's not. If you're going to go down the road of revival, you're going to run back to Christ, then you absolutely, without a doubt, have to be able to be honest with yourself. And that's something we have to learn. That's a prayer God revealed to us. But it's also a willingness that as we go down this road, and it might be that you have to go back to what we talked about beforehand, that aspect of understanding your sinfulness and where you would be without Christ, because you might have just sped through that. We have a short amount of time this morning, so I can't just dwell on each section until our brains unlock and we go, oh, that's it. But you have to be open and honest with yourself. So if I'm going to pause for one minute and leave an awkward silence for you to think, let me ask this question. Are you where you need to be in your relationship with God? Super long pause, right? Don't like the awkwardness of sitting there with that silence and all of a sudden you having to go, wait, do I have to answer that question? You have to answer that question. You have to spend some time and you have to go, where am I at? And you have to be able to be honest with yourself and your struggles. Let's keep reading. Verse seven, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. As we read through that passage, you see the story of redemption unfolding. David knows that God is the path to redemption. And he writes about this long before Jesus walked on this earth, but he knows the prophecies. He knows the story. He knows that God is the one that can handle our sin. And so we started with this talking about the acknowledgement of where we would be without Christ and how we got to be honest with ourselves. And now we're looking at where we are as believers in Christ. He has rescued us from our sin and brokenness. We are no longer slaves to sin. We have a relationship with a heavenly father who has conquered and overcome that. And we press on with him. And that's not saying life's going to be easy by any means, but it's the understanding that now that we are new creations, reborn, born again into a new life with our relationship with God, we have been rescued from that. And that relationship starts to become very real. 
It's something that we know in our heads a lot, but sometimes we need to feel it afresh when you remind ourselves of how awesome it is that Jesus sent his son to this earth to die on the cross for our sins and then rose again the third day and overcame death so that we don't have to fear an earthly death because we know that means we spend eternity with God. He has rescued us. It's next verse, verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Have you ever been through a period of life where you've lost the joy of the salvation? That happens to us all the time. We get distracted. We get, we get bummed out. Fear comes on us. Worry, anxiety, sinful desire overtakes it. And we lose the joy of that salvation. Part of the revival process is refinding that joy. But you've got to stop. You've got to focus. You've got to make time and do that. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. That joy of salvation rolls into this contagious worship. As we remember who God is, what he's done, we renew our relationship with him. We become contagious worshipers that not just are overflowing ourselves with joy, we begin to affect the people around us with that same understanding and feeling. And we begin to share with them the joy of our salvation. And we begin to shape our community by sharing the grace of Jesus Christ as a church that is fully sold out for God, His glory, and His mission. We're on the path to revival. We're going to go down this path the next few weeks. And you know where it's going to lead us? It's going to lead us right where this passage ends. Verse 18. Do good to Zion and your good pleasures and build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. And then bulls will be offered on your altar. The way this passage ends is talking about the Old Testament aspect of corporate worship. These offerings in this place in Jerusalem was literally the place that the people of God would gather to worship Him. Think about this in the context we're in. We're going to spend the next few weeks working on our personal revival and refocusing on our relationship with God. And then we're going to gather back together to offer true, right sacrifice of worship to God. We're going to come back together in this room and sing out praises to this God that we love and continue to move forward in shaping our community by sharing the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, going on from here, we're going to kind of change up the way this normally goes. Because normally at the end of this video, when you hear me start to sum it up and you're sitting in your living room and maybe you've been wrangling kids for the last 30 minutes and you're sitting there looking at your watch going, okay, I only have to hold them down for a few more moments. Well, we're not quite done when this video ends because here's what we're doing starting right now for the rest of this week. For the next seven days, 
every day right at noon, we're going to post a video on the website that's going to be about two to three minutes long. It's going to be me introducing our focus for the day. We're also going to include a PDF that has a passage and one or two questions for you to sit down alone with God and work through. We want to make sure that we take this time. But I'll go ahead and tell you, we're going to do this right now, right after the sermon. So as soon as we're done, as soon as you're done watching this, go to richfork.climb and click on the button that says Revival. Now, I understand it's humorous. If you want Revival, click on the button. But anyway, you get the idea. Click on that button for Revival, and it'll take you each day at noon to the video. We'll also try to get those videos up on social media, but you will have to go to the website if you're going to download the PDF with the passage and the questions. Because here's what we want to do. We want to make sure over the next few weeks, we are taking time during this window of opportunity to slow down and focus on the things of God. We want to focus on Him, our relationship with Him, pour out our heart before Him. That is going to be our prayer that each of us finds a renewed time with God over these next few weeks as we walk through things with Him. Now, once again, I'm going to pray to end this. And as soon as it's over, go to richfork.com. I understand if you've got kids in the room and maybe you're married and you can trade off as one person can watch them while the other one goes do this and back and forth. But make sure you make time, about 30 minutes every day, to renew and revive your relationship with God. Let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you that you're an amazing God that you allow us to go through seasons where we wonder and you pull us back, that you send people into our lives to call us back to you, that you create moments where we refocus on you. Dear God, as a church, I pray that there are people who are tuning in this morning that maybe they've been listening for a few years and this is the first time they're going, you know what, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to take a step. Dear God, maybe somebody's listening this morning and they're struggling because it's really hard for them to to follow on, on a video or a podcast. Dear God, I pray that they go, you know what? I'm going to put that to the side and I'm going to focus on God. Dear God, just use this time to grow us and to shape us. We love you and praise you in your name. Amen. All right, right now, go to richfork.com, click on the revive button, excuse me, the revival button, and go ahead and move forward in chasing after this guy. We'll see you soon, church.